Virginia, there may not be a Santa Claus, but there is a Galaxy Con, and guess who's coming? <laughs> it's going to be us, the Inglorious Trexperts in As Richmond, in- Virginia. Inglorious Live Tour 2023 continues. Wow. Darren and me, Mark A. Altman, will be in Richmond at GalaxyCon on, uh, when is it, Darren? It's March 24th through 26th. March 24th to March 26th in lovely Richmond, Virginia. And there are going to be a ton of great guests. But none of that matters because we're there. We're there. We are a ton of great guests. We are indeed. (laughs) And we're excited because GalaxyCon is where it's at. These guys put on great shows with great guests, a great dealer's room, and plenty of entertainment. And we'll and be more. doing and more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the illusion of beauty and more. So uh I'm I'm really excited, Darren. It's gonna be a great chance to um well, I was gonna say a great chance for you to meet the fans. That's and, right. And uh for me for to us, meet the fans, not you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's right. I'll be eluding uh, deadly scooter accidents, oh but uh, but I'm 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 excited because, uh, like I said, um, uh, the the Inglorious Live Tour, or I, as I call it, my farewell tour. This is like uh, the Who, you know. I'm I'm on my farewell tour, but we know how that turned out. Uh, they've been on the same farewell tour now for fifty years. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, Forty years. That was years, a, that was a we, Godfather reference. Godfather <laughs> two, actually. Yeah, he died, died of the same heart attacks. It's, but uh, but it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, Jody Whitaker is gonna be there. Rosario Dawson, Kevin Smith, uh, Bill Shatner, Brent Spiner. Um, no, this is Columbus. That's Columbus. <laughs> That's Columbus. You gotta I'm click talk- on the click on the Richmond one. I'm talking about Richmond, Virginia. I don't think they have all of their guests up they, yet. They don't. Uh, um, but Vincent but we're gonna be there. gonna be there. David Tennant's gonna be there. Oh, one of our favorite people. You know who's gonna be there. Not only is Bill Shatter gonna be there, Walt Koenig's gonna be there. We love Walt. Oh, good. Yeah, it'd be good to see him. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe, maybe we we'll, can uh... show him another movie he hasn't seen in thirty years. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes will be there. Gates is gonna be there, and nice. uh, they're just starting to announce some of these guests. But the list goes on and on. Um, and it's going to be, oh, Mariel Hemingway from my favorite movie, Manhattan. Nice. And, uh, maybe if we can moderate a panel with her, I guess she's there for Superman four, but we can talk about personal best in Manhattan. Oh, I think they will be, be go over the heads of the audience. They'll be like, what, 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 what's going on here? Um, Sarah <laughs> Douglas is going to be there. We haven't seen her since, oh, uh, be, since Lola's. Lola's. <laughs> yeah. Superman. That'll be great. Uh, Mark Pillow, nuclear man is going to be there. Nice. And of course, the great Barry Boswick, uh, yes. will be there star of such legendary movies as megaforce so uh it's going to be a ton of fun we're going to be there we hope you'll be there too uh check out galaxycon.com for all the details and we'll see you in richmond virginia this march Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And uh, Darren, uh, from now on, Mark. you will refer to me as Lord Mark A. Altman. I am now a Lord. I don't know if you heard the news, but... Uh, I have heard the news. In fact, you are to call me Lord Darren Doctorman. What? what are you... I am also a Lord. We are both Lords. Lords. Of all we survey, we are we are in the the role of Scottish lords now. No, you are. I'm a lord of Sealand. 
Oh, Sealand. Yeah, Sealand, not Scotland. You mean like you mean you mean like Prince Namor? It's a no. Well, it's a principality <laughs> off the coast of uh, Great Britain, and the oh, royal well, family you know. has seen fit to uh, make me uh, make me a lord, thanks to my lovely wife. Who? Uh, well, good. That means you're not a Highlander, and we don't have to battle each. That's other. right. We can we'll, we'll keep, <laughs> both keep our heads. There uh, doesn't about have us. to be only one. But uh, in the I guess in the interest. Of, so the only non-lord on this show is Ashley. Right. So Ashley needs to refer to us as as Lord Mark and Lord. Maybe Darren. we can make him an honorary lord. No, no, I don't think so. I, I think you're trivializing our lordships. I never. Yeah, it's this is a serious thing, and uh, and uh, you know it is not to be used lightly. We're like Lord Garth of Izar. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, Lord Garth. So um, you know, I think people probably want to put us in that same cell as lord garth well um, maybe and maybe they'd be right but uh you know at least we're not hung up like uh, governor cory yeah yeah poor poor key luke poor key luke yeah man he was not the number one son in that i'm not a fan of uh that that episode i have to say you know it's it's one of those uh, third season episodes that seemed like a good idea at the time it's a it's a little crazy, but there are moments in it that are really good. I mean, of course, uh, Yvonne Craig as uh, uh, as Marta, yeah, is uh, is uh, luminous, yeah. green luminous, yeah, and uh, uh, she uh, does a really great turn. Well, the queens, the queens the level murderous. three stuff is all great. Yeah, look, and uh, Steve Einett, who plays uh, Lord Garth, is uh, is great. He is he, wonderful. Uh, he can he can chew the scenery with anybody, and he's. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I just feel like Dagger of the Mind dealt with um, sort of, uh, 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 you know, sort of mental health in the uh, 23rd century. And it, and it did it, I think, in a more interesting an original way than than the, than that episode. But uh, well, sure. But it's always fun to see the uh, uh, inmates uh, running the, the asylum. Yes. Much yeah. like it is on Inglorious. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Ashley's not here, so he's he's a free man. But uh <laughs> he he I'm sure we'll be back next week. And of course, we're getting ready to record the holiday specials. But before we do that, um it's interesting because of course a couple of weeks ago we did a wonderful episode on the um photo novels um with uh Laszlo Pappas. And that prompted me to go on eBay and order a bunch of photo novels. And while I was there, I ordered wow. all 18 copies of The Best of Trek. Good Lord. All 18. Because this is something I've talked about on the show. This was a series of books. Uh, they were collections of articles from the Trek magazine. Right. And um, I used, I didn't have them all as a kid. I had a bunch of them. And I always found them utterly fascinating. And here I'm holding in my hand the in my hand, Marcus, the first uh, first one uh, from Signet. This is from Chekhov to Spock, from the Federation to the Klingon Empire. Welcome to the best of Ooh. Trek from the magazine for Star Trek fans, which is really interesting because I never actually saw the magazine. I only saw the books. Yeah, me either. And this is um, – sorry, go ahead. But so, certainly after the publication of the first one, uh, after each volume is released, it makes it – less the best of trek and it just it, it you know once you release a second one then the first one isn't necessarily the, the best, best. it's kind of like the middle <laughs> middling of trek yeah we want the best that yeah. we can find well i'll tell you this this whole um 
things started for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I was really fascinated by it. I want to know more about the magazine because it's, um, obviously people talk a lot about Starlog and, and how that started up in 76 and was going to be a Star Trek magazine, but they didn't have the license. So they made it a, a sci-fi magazine, but, uh, the, but there were other magazines such as Cine Fantastic and Omni and Questar and um, Fantastic Films later on that were, uh, but you know, and uh, and apparently uh, the Trek Trek magazine apparently was a thing, and so I wanted to know more, you know, as part of this Trek archaeology project of ours. Of course. So I I looked into trying to get Walter Irwin and GB Love on the show, and unfortunately realized the only way to do that was with a Ouija board, because uh, both of them had passed away sadly. Uh, Walter Irwin um, died in two thousand four. And uh, G.B. Love, otherwise known as Gordon Belljohns, died in January of 2001. He had cerebral palsy. It's really sad. Um, and yeah, we, we don't want to use a Ouija board because we'll wind up talking to Captain Howdy. I thought we ended up talking to Gene again. And I, you know, <laughs> well, I don't want to catch him to, while he's in the hot tub. Gene anytime we want. Yeah. So um, uh, the, this, this, this book series is interesting because... Um, I guess the magazine was published from 1974 to 1978, but the book series continued until uh, until the the late 80s or 90s, wow. uh, which is which is crazy. And so I have the book here, and it was always such an interesting combination of um, stories. Um, uh, on page one, they ask, "Have you ever wondered why the Klingons are such a warlike, aggressive race? How the Enterprise was created?" What makes Mr. Spock such a popular character? How the crew of the Enterprise traveled through time? What the various actors and actresses who worked on Star Trek are doing now? The answers to all these questions may be found in this collection. I've most... wondered all of those questions. Yeah, well, and I, I got to tell you, oh, my gosh. You know what else I, I picked up, which we'll talk about on another show? I picked up uh, To Boldly Go, uh, that the, the, the Shatner biography that the call call breath and uh, wrote in the, in the, in the seventies. Oh my goodness. Um, and it's crazy because I, I'm going to spoiler alert. So this, is, I think it was not to, to boldly go or I, whatever it is. It's, it's the first Shatner biography of the, you know, there are like 17 Shatner memoirs. This is the first one. And he talks about how, how he's worried about the whales going extinct. This is in 1975. Interesting. So you know how people always say, "Oh, he ripped off uh, Roddenberry's God idea, the God thing." For well, I think Bill had the original whale idea. You know, I was just reading this book by Bill, and uh, <laughs> fascinating idea in it. It's we, it's uh, so fascinating. I I don't even want to quickly go through that, but that's going to demand its own episode. So yeah. uh, because I got to get you a copy of the book, and we got to read it, and really, there's a lot to unpack with that with that <laughs> yeah, Shatner. I mean, because it's not just the whales, it's well, the water. It's amazing because, you, you know, I mean, Myrna Colbreth and the other one, they wrote all that Price of the Phoenix and KS right. fiction and stuff. The whole first chapter is all about sex, about Shatner and sex. I just, like, clearly, these these women have like an obsession with Shatner. And it's it, an obsession. It, it's a sickly that can blind you to, to, to more immediate <laughs> things. And uh, it's so interesting. Uh, and Shatner just is going on. It's like it's, it's vintage Shatner, nice. you know, it, you know, mutual of Omaha, Barbary Coast, you know, just manly man Shatner. So it, it, I will we'll get to that. But 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 today we're talking a little bit about the best of Trek and 
we're gonna in a little while we're gonna have um and again for you young people the early years of star trek fandom uh way before you were born and it's okay you'll you'll survive and it'll be fun don't worry yeah 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 no <laughs> and we have jim van heist joining us a little bit james van heist started writing for trek and then he started his own fanzine called enterprise incidents which was an interesting fanzine i, I remember uh, I picked it up at a convention and had a bunch of so this nice card stock and had a bunch of Romulan ships surrounding the Enterprise. Yep. It was that shot from the Enterprise, dun, but it was dun, a dun, dun. it was a drawing though. You know what that right. that that expanded piece of music is called on the soundtrack? What's it called? Free Enterprise. That's nice. what the track the track listing is called. I love there that. Okay, so we talked about this before in this book, and there's a chapter called Star Trek Fan Poll Results. And so this is their list of the 10 greatest episodes of Star Trek based on the poll in Trek magazine. Interesting. Does you, it give a date when this was asked? Um, let's take a look. This would be, well, it does not say, it does not I, say. I bet you it's, it's before the motion picture. Oh, so yeah, because this book was published in. Early to mid-70s. I'll tell you exactly when it was published. It was published in. Um, this was 1974, 1974. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so the time of the second season of the animated show. This is a real snapshot. I'm going to reverse the order, if I might. I'm okay. going to read from 10 to we'll do, 1. We'll do it. Yeah, 10 to 1, just like a David Letterman list. Yeah. Okay, number 10. Okay, this is a one. This is one with um, the one with the beard. The beard. Mr. The beard. The beard? Yeah. Mirror, mirror? Yeah, mirror, mirror. Yes, mirror, mirror. <laughs> Murmur, yeah. Murmur. Murmur, that's number 10, okay? It's it's funny. Someone, someone uh, j just to uh, break off a little bit, uh, someone asked online if uh, after you retire from uh, the Trexperts in a year, yes. that you'll come back as Mirror Mark. I saw that. And and, and uh, unfortunately, the real Mark already has a beard. Yeah. So uh, there would be no way to tell. I look, I'm not saying I won't come back to do special episodes. Like, I'm not saying I'm just going to cut the cord. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I will not be a regular host on the show. I will come back, you know, occasionally, you know, if I'm welcome and drop by maybe to say when, hello. Maybe when you're not asking, acting like a scoundrel. <laughs> maybe. But, <laughs> I, but you know, I, I want to go out on a high. I feel like, you know, up until this episode, we, we've, <laughs> we've been doing great on that front. And, uh, oh, by the way, I got to tell you. So for my birthday, I got a really great book, not Tale of Two Cities. Naomi got me. The book about Crazy Eddie, retail oh, nice. gangster, so good. So for those of you who grew up in New York, like Brian Drew, you know, back in the day, it's all about the rise and fall of Crazy Eddie. Wow. Freaking great! I, I love it. You love it. You you dig it the most. Okay, so next one, no beach. Number nine. Number nine. No, no beach to walk on. No beach to walk uh, on. Ah, yes, that's a good one. Yeah, that's the. Uh, Come on. That's the naked time. Well, it, there's lots of naked time, but only one episode called that. Yeah, well, two technically, <laughs> if you count the naked now. Um, I haven't watched Naked Time in a long time. I think I need to watch that. You know what I was doing the other Sounds day? Sounds like the first chapter of that uh, Shatner bio. I wasn't feeling great the other day. Not, 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 I don't know. What, I don't know what it was, but I wasn't feeling great. So I, I turned on um, Pluto TV. They have a Star Trek channel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and and uh, right. even though I have 
all the episodes obviously on blu-ray and dvd and but there's something many... about you not being in control of what episode totally. shows up next You're right no control whatsoever i'm out of control i'm like the spores yeah. have, have got me i'm out of control totally. and so i i turn on uh, uh pluto tv and i watch darmok which you know fans of this podcast know as much as people love that episode, Darren and I are not particularly huge fans of Darmok. I like it. It's just, I, yeah. I liked it a lot more. I watched it in 20 years. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's better than I remembered it. Because it, it has a great sci-fi setup. It's a great sci-fi premise. It really is. And, um, and I enjoyed it. And I think because I hadn't seen it in such a long time, um, I still don't think it's like one of the greatest Star Trek episodes of all time. Uh, but I do, I really like Paul Winfield in it. Absolutely. And um, there's some great stuff. But, you know, Riker does some really dumb things in it. Worf does some dumb things in it. Um, production values aren't great. Although it's directed by Rick Colby, which which he's one of the better directors. But I, but I liked it. And then, you know, what was on uh, after? Uh, what was on after? it? The First Mate. Not oh, f- the, no, The Perfect, perfect mate. mate. The Perfect Mate with Fromka Johnson. Yes. Wow. You know when they say things are really 90s? That episode, oh, yeah. I used to love that episode. Boy, that's really 90s, that episode. Uh, well, it, it's very Michael Pillar. That, yes, you're right. Um, but but I like it. She's great in it. Absolutely. She imprints on on um, the, a male to be the perfect woman right. for them. Yeah. So in, in, in other words, she's a liar. It, it's <laughs> it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the one with the, um, the Dolmen of Elos, uh, uh, like, right. uh, what is that? Yeah. What's that called again? Elon of Troyes. Elon of Troyes, of course. So it's kind of like that. Um, and um, I think I kind of <laughs> like, I kind of like that better because Klingons in it rather than Ferengi. But it was well, interesting I, to, uh, it was interesting. I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, so great. I was watching, but you know, it's really hard because every five seconds they're commercials, yeah. you know, and that's very hard to watch. Yeah. And they don't break them at the usual commercial. No, they don't. They just pop on, they just pop on, you know, which is funny because Darren and I were at the Saturn Awards this week, which is currently airing on uh, uh, Electric Now. And I guess no one told the no host, told Joel McHale, that there were going to be yeah. these long commercial breaks. So he would just show up and start vamping because he's like, I guess they have commercials now. And how, how's everyone doing out there? And it was it was hysterical. Um, that was a fun night. Was it was a fun night. night. Incredibly long, however. It was. It was. I said it's the Berlin Alexander plots of uh, award shows. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was okay, it was number the, eight. Oh, number eight. Number eight. Number eight is. Um, uh wow, I bet the imposter had some good qualities. Ah uh, yes, the enemy within. Indeed, the enemy within. Enemy within. I don't know if that would be in my top 10. <sighs> Interesting. I you know, I I don't know either. It depends on it depends on the mood I'm in. Mm. Of course, it has a lot of uh, sort of canon establishment yes. in there including the Spock neck pinch. Yes. And uh and the uh and the the dog with the wire antennae. Yeah. Uh, it also has that great. I want to live. That's right, and you will. We both will. I mean, you know what's better than one Shatner? Two Shatners. That's right. Yeah. Or or one Shatner and a, a slightly different stuntman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, number seven. In another universe, I could have called you friend. Ah, uh, definitely in my top ten. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, the uh, 
yeah, great. My mind is going. See, I write, isn't that? It's that's another reason I'm retiring, because I'm starting to forget. I'm forgetting. He's forgetting. And I, mean, I, I, you know, immediately it pops into my mind the enemy below. But that's the movie it's based yeah, on. That's the movie it's based <laughs> on exactly. Run silent, run deep. Yeah, it's a balance of terror. There you go. There you go. Balance of terror. That's right. That's number seven. Number six. It was the Matrix before the Matrix. The Matrix before the Matrix the before the Matrix. Follow the White Rabbit. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Okay, it's a stretch, but you should have gotten it. Stretch. It's Shore Leave, however. It is Shore Leave, number six, which is interesting because my paws and whiskers. I'll be late. <laughs> that's it's not an episode that you often see uh, on top, but but you did in the seventies. And yet, right. and now I don't think a lot of people talk about. But I love that episode. I loved it. I, I still I love it. I specifically love the tiger that shows up with a uh, the chain, a on, chain it. on yeah, its yeah, neck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Siegfried and Roy in his mouth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and of course, the the, the guardian of the uh, of the Paradise Planet uh, is uh, is Jeff Bond. Basically. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. He's totally Jeff Bond. That's right. Uh, for you people at home, that's the author of the art of the Star Trek the motion picture and the music of Star Trek. The affable yes. Jeff Bond. Correct. Is he having a birthday party this year? He is. I haven't heard anything from him. Maybe I'm not invited. I, I don't think anyone has been invited. Oh, yet, okay. Technically, so don't okay. worry. Okay. It. It's so you, far, you, though. You don't want to come to the Valley anyway. I don't. I really don't. But it's Jeff, so I might. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when I get invited. If he gives Number me enough six? notice, maybe I can Uber. Maybe yes. I can fly there. Um, okay, so uh, number six now? so that was number six. Sure, leave. So number five, it's, it's the only love money can buy. Number five. Oh yes, number five. What really? Trouble with tribbles yeah. all the way down to number five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Remember, yeah. this was the this was the uh, early seventies. Early seventies. So, uh, Wait until we get to the worst stuff. Wait until we get the worst. It hadn't of. gotten its uh, its full play on syndication yet, I guess. Yeah. So number four, number four, uh, this is this just shows you how popular this character has been for many, many years. Starbase operations, starbase operations, starbase operations. Well, this is this is two episodes. This is the this is two episodes. Part one and two. That is correct. But it only counts as one. Apparently, it's right. number, number four, the menagerie. Fine episode. Definitely belongs in the top top ten. And it's the one that made Sean Kenny a star. <laughs> and he's still dining out on that 55 years later Good okay um number three number three um number three um yes. are you gonna give blood this week you thinking to give uh, blood transfusion transfusion is this uh it hurts worse than the uniform journey to babel indeed number three fine episode Fine, definitely. It is absolutely top ten. It has it all. It has family drama. It has action. It has cool alien species. It has a fist fight and a flying kick. Oh, so good, so good, so good. They don't make Star Trek like that anymore, do they, Darren? And the great Mark Leonard. Oh, so great. He is and, amazing yeah. in that, and so is um, so is uh, Jane Wyatt. Yes. Jane Wyatt is Amanda. She's she, great. She's great. Yes, she, she has a really great scene with Spock, where she confronts him. And uh, it's it's heartbreaking. It's it, it is right. I love people forget. You know, I got to tell you, I'm going to vent for a second. Okay. Uh, you know how I, that guy drives me crazy, the XO six guy. So um, 
so he was talking about you know they're coming out with shran as a as an action figure um which is great because it's jeffrey combs and i actually i ordered it because i'm an idiot um but uh he, he started saying well we're going to come out with this instead of because i would never do the original series andorians because they're not as cool i was like what the original Sandorians are awesome. How could you not want a Reggie Nadler uh, action figure? Yeah, no kidding. I, this guy, I don't know what his deal is. Well, keeps putting out these Voyager figures. I, I'm not going to comment because I want my emotion. Yeah, I know you do, but I, he's, I've had enough of him. Okay. <laughs> I have had <laughs> enough of you. I'm sure he's a nice guy and he's doing the Lord's work with this stuff, but um, it's. Well, it's, we are the Lords now. Yeah, that's true. That's right. He was doing the Lord's <laughs> so, work. He put out a Reggie Nadler action figure. <laughs> okay, number number two. Number two. Hot as Vulcan. Oh, Hot yes. as Vulcan. A muck time. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. That's such a great this episode. Is, this is sort of a little trivia question time for Darren, isn't it? You're testing me. <laughs> yeah, I'm testing you. But it's not the a Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> this is more. a winnable test. And... uh and number one, number one. Okay. Scott Mans would call know. this the Citizen Kane of Star Trek episodes. No, really? Yeah. 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 City on the edge. City on the edge. So there you go. Oh, I thought you were gonna I thought No, you thought it was metamorphosis. <laughs> you thought it was metamorphosis for I thought you were gonna say metamorphosis. Nobody would put metamorphosis in their top ten except for Scott and Ralsinski. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I mean metamorphosis is fine, but it's not a top ten episode. It never will be. I can't forgive it for the <laughs> death of the second season. Um, okay, so uh, so that's city on the edge of forever. So that's yeah, that's that's the best. Joan Collins. Now they also do favorite Star Trek characters, but I don't want to do that one because do that one we're going to be doing that on the holiday special. On a certain uh, bunch of episodes coming up. Yeah, we got they got who is your favorite villain? Which uh, Leo Walsh, uh, Harcourt friend Mad, got twenty five percent of the votes. Wow, for the he won. Who's your favorite male guest star? Mark Leonard tops the list at 35%. Can't blame them for that. Oh, look, you know who else was nominated, though? The remaining percentages were tied between David Saul, Michael Forrest, Robert Walker Jr., Percy Rodriguez, Jeff Hunter, Bruce Mars, Logan Ramsey, and John Calicos. That's awesome. Wow. That's pretty much everybody. I know, right? (laughs) Who's your favorite female guest star? Dun, dun, I can't, da, decide. Dun, da, I can't dun, decide who my favorite female Well, I'm going to read you what Trek Magazine said. Garnering the largest percentage Bahamas. was Joan Collins with 21%. Hmm. Because, you know, one day, let me help her replace I Love You. Yeah. Jane Wyatt impressed many fans. We're just talking about her at 10%. A four-way tie between Diana Muldaur, oh my God, Sabrina Sharp. What? Sabrina Sharp, who is Miramani. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Joanne Linville and Marion Hartley. See, I told you, they, they, love, they love the Marion Hartley. Wow. I said that on a previous episode. I, I can't go there. No. I, mean, I, I loved her work on Goodnight Beantown, but... You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, fifth, <laughs> fifth place was also a tie. Susan Oliver, Arlene Martell, Jill Ireland, Francis Nguyen... Terry Garr, Karen Steele, Emily Banks, and the impeccable T-Pow, Celia Lovsky, all sharing 30%, right down to the fractions. And receiving cement beams. But this is the best. And receiving 1% of the vote each, well, were Barbara Lunar, who deserved much better, and Catherine Hayes, the empath. What? I know. God, it's it's interesting the, uh, you know, the 
different sort of tenor that the fans had in those days. Well, uh, that's why I wanted to read this. That's why no, we're doing great. this episode. I know. That's why I'm calling attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's so. And this was the Twitter of 1974. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, it says, do you think that Arix and MRS should be included in the Star Trek movie? I love that they asked this on their survey. Yeah. Let's see yeah. what they said. Let's see what they said. I, I bet you. I bet you. That's an absolute yes. I, you know what? When we when we do part two of this episode, I'm going to get you a copy of this book so I don't have to do read all the stuff. So uh, I want you to have this. Um, th <laughs> this is the only question on the poll to which there was a clear and resounding mandate, and it was a definite no. With the nays occupying over 80% of the votes, perhaps the response to this question was the fear of many that Uhura, Sulu, and especially Chekhov, I mean Chekhov, would be slighted if the two aliens were included. They say huh. that like well, it's a bad thing. especially since Chekhov was slighted on the animated show. Well, uh, apparently George Takai was 70% of the vote. Uh, um, that's Takai, Mark. That's uh, Takai. Takai means expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer action-oriented shows or think shows? Um, oh, this is interesting. When Star Trek returns, should the series take up where it left off, or should the intervening years be accounted for? Well, we know how that went. You know exactly how that This went. was a close one with the fans who wanted the intervening years accounted for, holding only a 54% margin. Many fans simply stated they just wanted the show back on the air and couldn't care less when it began. And that's what they got. Indeed. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go to the five worst Star Trek episodes. And fans uh -oh. of this podcast may recall me venting about this in the past. I, it stuck with me all these years. Um, but uh, here we go. Remember, this was a time when there was no other Star Trek in existence. Yes. So this was, this was the pure responses without the, uh, the benefit of comparison okay. between later. Because stuff. I will say, if it was now, and all the Star Trek shows were eligible, there's only one episode on this list that would make my worst episodes right so okay so number five okay e plebnista oh see i don't agree with that at all the i the know omega you don't glory the omega glory is a wonderful episode it's a little wonky but it lines up with well the, fans of trek uh, magazine thought it was a lot of wonky plan of planetary development exactly so bite me <laughs> well Not literally of course okay when you come to see us at uh, uh, the convention in Columbus. <laughs> Number four. Okay. I won't see you till way after five o'clock. Oh, really? Yeah. I've, oh. I've vented about this before. The specter of the gub. They say they love Chekhov, and yet his best episode, yeah. and they're, right. they're, they're yeah. tearing it down. They don't love Chekhov. They just like to be mean. Yeah, that's right. You didn't even notice I called it Spectre of the Gub. I, I heard you. <laughs> but this is not a Woody not. Allen podcast. That's 430 yes, movie. Yes, it is, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number if it was, maybe I wouldn't quit after five seasons. Uh, three, uh, number three, number three. Okay, here we go. Number three. Brain, what is brain? That that's Spock I'm giving brain. it to you there. I'm not even Spock's making Fox brain, of oh, course. Yes, Fox brain. Number three. Now, number okay. two, number two. We're going to get our, we're going to jump for joy because we just got a clean bill of health from Dr. McCoy. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, it's, uh, yeah, it's not the apple because that's with Vol. That's right. No, it's not. It's the, but it does involve an apple in a sense. It's, it's a way to Eden. That's right. The way to Eden. That's right. 
which I could see being on a worse list, although I know people have said that it is an interesting look at how technology is changing changing yeah, us. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Not really. Okay. It, it, it does show you how to play a, uh, a bicycle tire, though. Okay. It's a little joke. Extremely little, Hanson. And number 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 one, and this is the episode. Trouble with tribbles. <laughs> number one, <laughs> I, I I can see why this is on this list and why it might still be on a list even now. Okay. Friendly Angel, come to oh, me. And the children shall leave. And the children that's, shall that's leave. That's very unfair. You think? Yeah. Look, there's a there's a couple horrible scenes, but it is a, an interesting science fiction. Uh, set up and uh, you know it does have Greg Morris's son in it it has Phil Morris in it uh, it has uh, the great Melvin Belli uh, sure the great you know, Melvin in a, Belli in a moo moo mm-hmm. uh, so uh, what's not to love look and, and Craig and, uh, Huxley pre blaster beam that's correct oh no he's not in that is he yeah of course he oh, is yeah, yeah. he's the tall kid yeah, yeah. yeah. although I think at that point he, he was still Craig Hundley oh yes yeah. he was like Ralph Hinckley before That's the right. assassination attempt on yeah. Reagan, yeah. Okay. Oh my God! But uh, and and it it does it does uh, set up uh, Sulu's uh, unbelievably uh, uh, fearfulness of blades. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, but yet he's a, he's, a, he's no captain will be destroyed. Uh, it's funny because he's a uh, you know he he fancies himself. He fences. A, he, he's, he's a fencer. He's a fencer, and yet yeah. he's afraid of blades. Doesn't make yeah. sense. He's afraid of blades. He, he's afraid. He he was afraid. He, he was, was scared, scared to death. death. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what they say is you can see the list, with one exception, is drawn exclusively from the third season. The absence of the creative leadership of Gene Roddenberry, so it's more graphically pointed out in that a majority of the worst shows in our poll also came from the third season episodes. Well, what does it mean? We see it like this. Favorite episodes are all those which have a strong dramatic conflict, humor, and involve the most major major characters in a very tense situation. This is what every television show strives for, as these elements are vital to a successful script. And uh, it says, a warning of sorts to Gene Roddenberry, you'd better not make the Star Trek movie without William Shatner as Kirk and Leonard Nimoy as Spock. If you do, then you will lose about half your audience. Seriously, our poll showed that these two men and the characters they played are indispensable to what made Star Trek great. And it's a good thing for Star Trek fandom, we feel, that the votes were divided so sharply between the two. We are looking for heroes today, and where else can you find two of them together? But it's Star Trek, so and um, slash fiction. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> look, uh, I, I think it's I think it's a little unfair to uh, uh, you know say that the the failure of certain third season episodes was due to Roddenberry not being there because of course, as we know now, Roddenberry wasn't there during a lot of the second season as well. Of course, I mean, you know, look, this is before people really understood the vital contribution of Gene Kuhn. You yeah. know, it's only with time that we've come to understand how important he is. Uh, he was to making Star Trek what Star Trek was, which is take nothing away from Gene Roddenberry. But obviously that Gene Kuhn and Dorothy Fontana and Bob Justman, these are all yeah. people who were, uh, you know, um, a television show does not rise and fall on the shoulders of one person, you know, right. so... Um, it's interesting. So we, we learned about the, the these two editors, Walter Irwin 
Uh, it was a graduate of the University of Houston. Besides working on Trek, Walter is currently putting the finishing touches on his soon-to-be-published first novel, doing a series on famous detectives and adventure heroes, and laying plans for a Star Trek parody. Remember, this is 1974. He is wow. 27, single, and lives in Houston, Texas, and likely to stay that way, given he's publishing a magazine about Star Trek. Okay. Uh, G.P. Love started the first comic book, and uh, Ed and fanzine the rockets blast comic collector in 1960 and is credited in being a major force in the development of comics fandom until 1974 gb was responsible for the publication of literally hundreds of comics nostalgia and star trek fanzines having tired of the daily grind of putting out a magazine gb retired in 1974 but when trek was on the drawing boards he couldn't resist the excitement and challenge of his first professional star trek magazine and he once more returned to publishing gb currently adds his years of experience to trek as the managing editor he is 38, single, and lives in Houston, Texas. Wow. So, um, which is well, that's a, again a, a great look at uh, at the uh, the spirit that was existing in fandom at the time. Oh, this is interesting. There's an article on the Star Trek comic books by Leslie Thompson. I think Leslie oh, yeah. went on to become the editor of um, the, the 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 biggest uh, uh, comic book trade magazine, if I'm not mistaken um many years later um there's an article on the oh there's a oh look at this they rate the uh, animated star trek there's um there's uh they have a, an episode guide from the trek staff and they wow. rate them all I, I that's probably where i got the idea probably they got the um probably when i was a kid this must have uh imprinted on me it's much like the uh, first the, the 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 mate the like fomka jansen um <laughs> Much like Fonka Jansen imprinted on you much later. Yes, exactly. Uh, would you like to know uh, any episodes or what, what, what they rate them? Maybe we can come back and talk about Yeah, maybe that we will. Our interview with James Van Dyke. Oh, yes. I forgot. We still have to talk to Jim. He's been waiting for 40 minutes. Okay, so. <laughs> He's been hanging on the phone. Let's, uh, let's uh, J again, Jim Van Heis uh, was a, a vital contributor of the early days of Trek Magazine, later went on to start Enterprise Instance. Let's find out more and beam him on in. Hey, so, so, so Jim, what, what really fascinates me is you have been covering Star Trek since really almost its inception. Uh, and, and, uh, God knows so much of what I read, my formative information about Star Trek in the in the 70s was from stuff you had written like Enterprise in Instance, your wonderful fanzine. And you had even written for Trek magazine, which I was always fascinated by because I had never actually seen an issue of Trek. But I read all those collections, the best of Trek, one, two, three, ad nauseum. Um, can you sort of tell us how you sort of got into the world of Trek journalism? Well, I start because I, originally I worked for G.B. Love, and when he moved to Texas, I was on my own and doing my own publications, and I decided to do a Star Trek publication because I had been publishing a comics publication called Rockets Blast Comic Collector, and I did a Star Trek issue. And then I just decided to do a separate Star Trek magazine entirely. And I got interviews from various sources. A friend of mine had interviewed uh, people on the radio, and he gave me a copy of the recording from a Miami radio station. And that's in Enterprise Incidents number one. 
Mm-hmm. How did you first meet, come into contact? Because it was, I guess, Trek was edited by two people. It was GB Love and Walter Irwin, who had both passed away uh, in the late, late aughts. Um, how did you first come to, to, to start writing for them? Well, it was GB Love because I had been subscribing to his uh, comics fanzine, Rocket's Last Comic Collector in the 1960s, which at that time was the key uh, comic collector uh, magazine. It had ads, and it was where fans got together, and he had had some letters published in some comic books, and that's back when they used to include your address with when you had your letter published. And right. he said, oh, I'm doing this you know, publication. I'd like to hear from other fans. And, and then uh, Marvel Comics started offering a small classified ads which he bought and so people could like order sample copies of his publications and i had been getting his publication since like 1963 and then in 1970 i moved to florida where i met him and i wound up going to work for him for four years how did you first discover Star Trek? When did you show up on your radar, and what what was sort of the impetus for you to, you know, become passionate about uh, the original Star Trek? I saw it when it originally aired. In fact, where I lived in Upper Western New York State near Buffalo, we could get Canadian TV stations, and there was a Canadian station that showed Star Trek two days before the American TV right. stations showed it. Oh, and then we, would you watch it again when it aired on the American TV oh, station? Yeah. So, yeah, what was odd is by the second season, the Canadian station was like editing it to make room for more commercials, whereas the American station showed it intact. Right. <laughs> and 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 so w- w- when did you start thinking, hey, I want to know more about this show. I'm gonna, I want to talk to some of the cast. I want to want to write about the show. I mean, w- what was it that it sort of inspired your passion for it? Well, I just liked the show a lot, and I started going to conventions. I went to I went to my first Star Trek convention in 1975, where you know a number of the actors were there. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to attend panels and hear them. And of course, they they sold, you know, collectibles and scripts and all things like that, which I had never seen before. Which was the convention in '75? Was this the Statler Hilton or was it the Commodore? I don't even. I get them all confused now. Um, would you? I think it was the Commodore, because I know. Uh, Robert Lansing was there, you know, Mm. Gary Seven. Yeah. And David Gerald was there and and some of the other actors. And it was a decent-sized convention. There were a lot of dealers there. And, of course, in 1975, everything was cheap. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And everything was unlicensed. I mean, it was all fan, the passion of the fans who were making. Oh, yeah, they did start getting. And in the late 70s, uh, Paramount started issuing license, like temporary license for you want to sell Star Trek stuff at this convention. It's like $25 and you have to give us a percentage of what you sell. Right. And that went on for a while until the creation conventions basically bought all rights to that stuff for conventions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Do you do you remember? Did you interview Robert Lansing at that show, or did you just see him speak? No, I just he... saw him there, and I took his picture, and you know that kind of thing. Yeah, because of course, you know, Lansing is somebody who 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 I don't think was interviewed that much about his role, and of course, it, you know, it's one of those great what ifs of Star Trek history. You know, what if uh, Simon Earth had become a series, and you know what that what that would have been like. Oh yeah. Um, when, and so when did you start Enterprise Incidents? And, you know, uh, because that was a, obviously, um, it was a really wonderful fanzine that you did. I mean, it was, I was more than a fanzine. It was kind of a semi-pro pro. I mean, you had these gorgeous was, covers. I think it was in 75 when I started it. Because it was by the time of issue eight is when Star Trek, the motion picture came out. That was 79. Mm-hmm. I was uh, doing it for seven issues before 1979. Do you it's have a Do you have a, a, a favorite uh, interview or a favorite story that you published? Boy, uh... <laughs> not to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, a lot of the, the the interviews and things I published in Enterprise incidents were from other people who did things. Right. You know, it wasn't until the early 80s when I started writing for Starlog as well as uh, doing the uh, newsstand version of Enterprise Incidents that I was able to, you know, get together and, you know, meet other actors. I mean, I had seen, like, Gene Roddenberry did uh, talks, and I saw him at one, and I spoke to briefly to Leonard Nimoy at a, a talk he gave because he was traveling around doing talks before they started uh, any serious talks about reviving the series as a film. So, like, so I've got like negatives from like 1975, 1974 when I, you know, saw these people in person giving their talks. And of course, that's when Gene Roddenberry was showing. The uncut version of the cage, right? Yeah, sixteen yeah. millimeter. Absolutely, I was I was at one of those talks at Keene College in New Jersey, um, and it was uh, extremely exciting. Yeah, uh, Leonard Nimoy was uh, uh, basically going around doing the rebuttals to uh, all the Roddenberry uh, speeches at the time. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I know uh, Leonard Nimoy didn't like that Roddenberry was showing the bloopers because he felt that was outside of the purview of contracts the yeah, actors had. that it was almost a, a betrayal of the trust that the actors had on the set to be free with uh, their uh, performances. Yeah. Was your decision to start Enterprise Incense part, partially a response to uh, how, you know, I know Trek Magazine, when they started publishing the books, they didn't pay their writers to reuse the material um, because they, you know, they made the case that they owned everything uh, from from all the freelance submissions that they had in the the magazine. So is that part of the reason why you went and started doing it on your own and left, you know, sort of writing for uh, Trek? Yeah, because I, I had done some stuff for GB Love, and my argument was, you know, I wrote this stuff on my own and then brought it into the office, and it was typed up and put in these the magazine Rockets Blast, and then he just appropriated it for his books. Right. And 
back then, uh, people like GB and others had the idea that once if they published something, they owned it. I said, no, that's not the way it works. It's owned by the person who created it. The whole idea of creator's rights was a very new concept back then, not just in the professional field, but certainly among fans. Right. There was no, it, it, it's kind of like Vina. There was, there was no uh, uh, path to putting it together. People didn't know because this didn't really, you know, they didn't have contracts. You know, people work for hire wasn't something that was established. It wasn't like in the the, the world of the, of the comic books. But then you started Enterprise Instance, which I have a lot of fond feelings for. And history has kind of gotten re rewritten. Everyone talks about, oh, you know, until Starlog came along, there wasn't really a magazine that was covering Star Trek. And they wanted to start that as a Star Trek magazine. And then they couldn't because it wasn't licensed. So they broadened the scope to sci-fi. But, I mean, you were doing it with Enterprise Incidents. I mean, Obviously, Trek magazine existed. The Star Trek Well Committee had their their newsletter, um, but you know, then there was of course Cine Fantastic, which existed many years before. Um, and then yeah. later on, you had stuff like Fantastic Films and Questar and a few other uh, magazines that came along in the wake of Star Wars. But I mean, you were there at the you know kind of the heyday of all this. Oh yeah, I did it, and you know, you know a lot of friends of mine contributed to it, and you know, we just you know write about things we experienced, like going to uh, the talks given by Leonard Nimoy and others. And I went to a play in Miami where John Colicus played Sherlock Holmes. Mm. And so there were things like that happening. That's cool. I would have loved to have seen him play Sherlock Holmes. I mean, he was always such a... There's a video on YouTube or not. A lot of this stuff, if you hunt for it, there's some versions of, of video, including stuff you wouldn't have thought hadn't been preserved. That's interesting. I boy, he could eat the scenery with the best of them. It would have been interesting just to, to to see. I you know, it's also another one of those really uh those Star Trek what ifs, you know, it's like what if he had been available to be in Day of the Dove and had played, you know, Kang, you know, which is sort of uh um it's it's so interesting to to uh well it was nice that they brought him back on Deep Space Nine to play Absolutely. his character again for one last time. Absolutely. But, you know, that was a case where you had someone like Iris Stephen Bear, who had so much love for the original, who you know, who got the appeal of bringing back these characters and, and, and doing something really uh, interesting, because I think, uh, you know, John had some really great, did some great work in Deep Space Nine. I mean, they all oh, yeah. did, but especially John. So... Um, and then you 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 partnered with um, Hal Schuster, um, and you know not only did you do I guess the later iteration of Enterprise Instance, but of course you did a bunch of books with him, and this was sort of during the the heyday of of Next Generation, uh, which I mean if you thought that the Star Trek fandom couldn't get any bigger in the seventies, you look at what uh, people forget like during the early days of Next Generation, and certainly during its its. Um, you know, the seven years it was on the air, it was a huge phenomenon. I mean, the fandom was 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 very fervent. Oh, yeah. I mean, Paramount was absolutely right that they needed to revive Star Trek as a TV series. And although Gene Roddenberry had his problems at that time, that the series just, you know, did continue and thrived. 
What were your impressions? I assume you, you, you know, in your career, you interviewed Gene a couple of times. What were your feelings about Gene? You know, what, what, you know, ultimately, you know, what? Oh, when what, I interviewed him, he was fine. You know, he's just, you know, he, he was just, you know, enthusiastic. And it was only later you'd hear things about got on people's nerves. And uh, after Star Trek: The Motion Picture, he, he basically was a figurehead. Right. Did, uh, of the people that you um, spoke to over the course of your career covering Star Trek, who, who did you find the most compelling? Well, of course, you know, meeting Leonard Nimoy was a big deal because right from the start, even, you know, the network didn't even realize how how big Nimoy was on the show. You know, they, they figured that out after a few months. But... Uh, Nimoy brought a lot to that role, a lot more than was, you know, on the page. And so, you know, meeting him was interesting and seeing, you know, he went from Star Trek to Mission Impossible, so he did interesting things that were. Were you surprised by the success of Next Generation? I mean, did you, you know, was there, obviously there was so much, you know, in the late 80s, there was a lot of pushback from, you know, fans of the original that they said, you know, without Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, you don't have me either. And, you know, a lot oh, of people I were... It. I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, it, I didn't like everything that was on it. Uh, the... Uh, In the very first episode, of course, there was a character who put them on trial, and I just never found that character very interesting. He reminded me too much of, you know, Trelane from the old sure. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was a a response by a lot of fans that uh, Q was basically a, a rehashed Trelane, and they used him so much later on. Uh, but yeah, we've we've talked about the first season of uh, Next Generation a lot before, and the fact that they had. Uh, a fairly difficult time getting their footing until uh, much later in the season, and certainly uh, yeah, it's in- like it it, was, it seemed like it was just kind of an okay show until they did the big Klingon episode, and it was like yes, oh now this isn't this is interesting. This is something different. Yeah, absolutely. That was the that was the uh, the breaking point for a lot of fans. They say, okay, well, if you can treat it like this and add something to the lore, then that's something that we're interested in. Have you continued to follow Star Trek since you stopped writing about it? Is it is it so? Or, or I still follow? It. Yeah, I mean, I I had uh, you know worked for various magazines. I mean, I I went to the press junket they had for Star Trek: First Contact, and that's when they had these uh, meetings where one actor would come in, and there'd be like six of us or eight of us around the table, and we'd interview them for like uh, half an hour and then another actor would come in right. and uh, have all so the actors. Interesting. I still have, uh, you know, recordings of all those interviews because I taped my interviews when I interviewed people. Yeah. I, are you surprised that Star Trek continues to be such a robust 
franchise that you know today obviously there are multiple star trek shows still you know and and that you you think about how many times star trek was kind of left for dead back in the 70s and 80s and you know later in the 90s and yet you know here we are and you know continues to sort of be well, yeah well for most of the 70s you know the idea of bringing star trek back seemed like a dream it's like why why do you want to bring back this old tv show eh. Let's watch Space 1999. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and ha did you ever have the opportunity to sort of uh, do anything with uh, all those old Enterprise incidents, that, you know, either digitally or uh, compile them in much the way that... Um... Well, some of them were just reprinted by the Schusters. And uh, I would recycle some material when I could. Right. And, you know, the books that I did. Yeah. Well, I I was a big fan. I enjoyed reading those magazines and uh, back in the day. Uh, um, and I think you, you had some great, you know, Star, Star Trek coverage and great people writing about it. So, uh, I, you know, it's a, it's an important part of uh, the Star Trek history. Yeah, me and too. We, we, we've talked about this a lot, but the, that uh, especially the early period in uh, uh, Star Trek fandom, was uh, a, a barren wasteland, except for a few wonderful publications like yours uh, that uh, actually provided us a, a conduit into this thing that we thought had died. Uh, but uh, it, it actually was, uh, was a lot of uh, the impetus to get it going again, actually. Yeah, I, I like the fact that, you know, that enabled things to be preserved. Have you talked to David Gerald at all? Uh, sure. As you know, he has audio recordings he made with all of the original cast back in the 70s for those two books he wrote back Yeah, then. for World of Star Trek and his Trouble with Tribbles book. Yeah, no, a friend it's, of mine it... had a copy of one of them that David gave him, and there's material in those recordings that was not used in the books. Like maybe the actor would get a little too candid about something or, right. or make an off-color remark and... And but now David has all of those interviews, and he's really never d done anything with them. Maybe he's afraid that people will just copy them once he puts them out there. But yeah, and it's interesting to see how much the opinions and and the stories of the cast have evolved over the years. You could read an interview with somebody, you know, uh, with Bill or Leonard or Michelle in the seventies. and they could be talking about the same thing thirty years later, and the story is completely different. Yeah. So, well, listen, Jim, we, we want to thank you for taking the time to, you know, talk about your history with Star Trek. And uh, you were out there doing uh, really your really important work, and, and we appreciate it. And I think that, uh, you know, what we do with the podcast is just an extension of all those fanzines and things that we read in the 70s, you know, and, um, uh, you know, it was it was great to talk to you. So thank you. Thank you for being our font of information. Okay, I, I thank you for you know, thinking of me, and yeah, I'm I, I'm interested in uh, talking to you whenever you're interested in uh, getting back to this. Great, fantastic. Take care, Jim. Thank you for the time. Okay, well, thank you. Now I have to say, I think I made a mistake. 
I think that this was these articles were originally published in 1974 in Trek magazine, but that the best of Trek was not published until 1978. Yes, that is correct. April 1978. So I stand corrected for all of you OCD people who are going to correct me on Twitter. Um, just just but to make that, that was clear. fun talking with Jim Van Heis. Uh, it's uh, it's it's fun hearing a voice from that. Uh, that nebulous time in uh, Star Trek fandom when we were sort of waiting for something and we didn't know what it was. Well, he's very modest. I mean, you know, look, I don't know if it was an Enterprise instance or Trek magazine. You know, the whole uh, Klingon-Romulan alliance came out of one of those fanzines. Really? Yeah, that that whole the thing it was. It didn't. It didn't come from the line that say. That oh says, yeah, there uh, is. There is. That there the is. The Romulans that... are now using. Yeah, but then they technology. expanded on the whole thing. Okay, and well, that's cre- fine. But you know, and created this whole backstory for the Klingon Romulan <laughs> alliance. Now, so that was that was book, that was book one. But uh, many such journeys are possible. In book four, they talk about friendship. A woman looks at Jim's little black book by Beth Carlson. You heard me, Lieutenant. Book four. <laughs> Star Trek the motion picture a year later. We'll have to look at that. That could be interesting yeah. to see what they're saying about Star Trek the motion picture a year after it came out. Um I wonder what they they would say. One day perhaps there will be a director's edition which corrects the problems with the part. I don't think anyone expected that to happen. Let's see. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um Okay. Cuz as we <laughs> mentioned our sampling of Trek roundtable, Star Trek the motion picture is still the talk of the town as far as most Star Trek fans are concerned. But once the first happy flush of satisfaction and victory were over, most fans begin to take the time to mull over the movie a little more. We editors did too, and we were just about convinced we should do an article speaking to the events of the past year and the effect it has had on Star Trek fans. But as usual, the readers were way ahead of us, and only a few days later, this article by Deanna Rafferty uh, arrived in the mail. And hmm. uh, should we see if she liked it? I, don't... I, I, I can nearly guess what her response was going to be. Um... Here, here now, in retrospect, we realize that all of these people were watching a rough cut of the film. And so any negative comments that may happen is understandable, but uh, uh, premature. Mm. Whatever <laughs> happened to Finnegan, asked Linda Lee. A motion, yeah, that's what's, that's what's wrong with the motion picture. Emotion no, versus Finnegan. logic, no contest by E.R. Gow. These are, these are other articles. These are not... Uh... Huh. Empires, gods, and other interested parties, an examination of advanced aliens and Star Trek. I mean, what's amazing about this, and this is what we say about, we're like, how to have for five years that we managed to do a podcast talking about Star Trek and still find things to talk about. This book was 18, 18 books. And yeah. that, that they were literally only really writing about the original series. And they managed to find stuff to constantly... Uh, to constantly repeat and talk about again and again. Again and again, exactly, exactly. But I mean, it just it just gave me an idea that the god creature in Star Trek V could have been Finnegan. The god creature in Star Trek V was Finnegan. That's yes. that's right. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. 18, 18 books. I mean, you know, in in in, in the best of Trek two, this was in March nineteen eighty. They did a Klingon update, the Romulan Klingon Alliance. The whole article nice. just on that. Women wow. in the Federation. Oh, and I love that. You know, like they also straighten people out on. Um, things that they misunderstand, like uh, the whole thing with Janet Lester. They said, it's not, right. it's like what we've always said. It's not that women couldn't be starship captains. It's that no, it's that she couldn't. She couldn't. She, she blamed it on uh, the patriarchy. Right. That insane people cannot be yeah. starship captains, That's which right. is, you know. Um, 
I would have been a great starship captain. Yes, I would have. I would have. This is part of Star Trek mystery solved. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, it says, like most psychotics, Janice would have been unable to recognize her own illness. So she would have to rationalize her dismissal by pinning the cause on something else. The most obvious choice was her sex. When Kirk, refusing to abandon his own goals and dreams, did not also quit the Academy, Janice began to see him as being involved in the conspiracy against her and all women. Of course, this led directly to the breakup of an already stormy relationship. This yeah. is mutiny. <laughs> You'll pay my orders. Um, <laughs> but this is an interesting Star Trek mystery solved. And this is the kind of thing people do on Twitter every day now, which is and try it's the kind to make... of thing we do here on the Inglorious Tracks. Yeah, you know, so I mean... In Where Gary No Man Has Gone Before, the plot revolves around Commodore, uh, the Commander uh, Gary Mitchell. See psychic powers. We're told in the script that Mitchell is chief navigator, that his rank is lieutenant commander, that Kirk asked for him on his command. But he's also one of the few people to call Kirk Jim. Right? Yeah, that's right. So they want to know, they have questions. It's sort of like that thing we did the other day on the show where we talked about what, what would have happened if V'ger hadn't shown up. Would right. uh, Decker stayed on board, and was Ilya going to be the navigator, and all this crazy nonsense? And of course, the answer is yes. Of course, yeah. And <laughs> all issue... of these things, all of these things would have happened. Look at this uh, issue number three: the psychology of Captain Kirk's popularity. Changes in Star Trek: The Motion Picture by GB Love. I wonder if that's about the uh, the ABC cut. Could very well be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in issue well, number, perhaps s- this is a this is a thing that we should return to again. I think we should. I think we should come back to this at some point because there's 18 volumes of this book. My goodness, and so much to 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 uh, to deal with. But um, but I'm glad we got to touch on this because as different a time as it was, you know, back then in the late 70s, um, in Star Trek fandom, similarities exist. Similarities exist as well, indeed. So, and I'm always uh, fascinated by the response when we do things like the photo novels or when we did the new voyages, there are people that, you know, there's such an interesting reaction. I haven't thought about that in, you know, 30 years, but that was so important to me. And, you know, it's like, so I love to tap into like these things that people think everyone except them have forgotten about and say, you're not alone. You're not alone. No, it's, it's funny. Cause it, just the other day I was thinking about, you know, my life, certainly in high school, and hanging around with uh, like-minded friends. And uh, I just remembered that I used to go over to my friend's house and we used to, yes, we used to hang out in his basement and watch episodes of The Prisoner. Oh. (laughs) And, and, you know, it it was something that I'd never seen before and it was something that uh, it it seemed like a special moment that uh, I was just being uh, exposed to. And, you know, we would have uh, Tombstone Pizza and have a great afternoon. So it's just little little moments like that that remind me what uh, being a fan was like and uh, being exposed to fantastic uh, entertainments and friends that shared your enthusiasm for. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I'll close by saying this. <laughs> I've mentioned on the show and in a couple of my books that there was a kid in middle school that I, I've 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 loathed low these many years because uh, he showed me the Marvel comic adaptation of the Empire Strikes right. Back before I saw it. Right. He said, I am your father, and it ruined it for me, right? right. So I've, I've, I, every chance I've had to badmouth him, I've taken, I've availed myself of the opportunity. <laughs> my bully my bully pulpit, which has literally become a bully pulpit. Your own personal devil. Yeah, your so, own Finnegan. Yeah. So anyway, I get a, 
on Twitter contacted by his ex-wife. Oh, uh, this is recently. She says, uh, I'm aware of your history with Lance. I just wanted to let you know that he died three years ago. Oh, my God. And uh, she said, and you're right, he was an asshole. Wow. Yeah, and and I, I, was, I, I was absolutely, I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of his, but I certainly don't with, wish, there are very few people I wish death on. Um, well, that's good. You know, maybe one or two, but not most I don't. Um, and uh, and so um, I was shocked, but it was amazing that I guess she had come across somehow uh, the, the show or one of my books well, or something. Well, the podcast is farther reaching than we realize, I think. Yeah. And she said, yeah, she just, she, th- she said, I thought you would want to know. And she says, as awful as you think he was, he was worse. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's sad to hear. Yeah. Well, you know what? What can you do? So perhaps that moment that you uh, loathed so much was one of the highlights of his life. Maybe it was. Maybe it gave him great joy and contentment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, peace and contentment. So maybe you should think about someone else for a change. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I hold grudges for a long time, but I think I'm going to let this one go because there's no That's point good. at this point, you know, because I'm watching Andor and he's not. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, it's, it's too bad. It's, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't wish it on anybody. I don't take great joy in saying that Lance Shulman is dead, but, uh, he is. And I just thought I'd mention that, uh, on the show. Because who knows? Maybe there are other people that knew him. And, now uh, he belongs to the ages. He 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 does. He does. Now he's he's spoiling the Empire Strikes Back for <laughs> for many people beyond the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, well, this is interesting. This is a fun show, and uh, yeah, got a chance to talk to Jim Van Heis, who is another piece of uh, piece of the puzzle that piece is Star Trek. So. Yep. Um, uh, I want to thank you as always. And of course, uh, I want to thank our listeners for continuing to support the show. Now you can do that through Trexperts Plus, trexpertsplus.com, where you can subscribe and not only get every free episode of um, Inglorious Trexperts, but our subscriber only, Deck 78. And Deck 78 <laughs> is uh, a show devoted to Trek and more often Trek adjacent topics with special guests and sometimes just with us. Maybe Ashley even is going to show up again. Yeah. And uh, it's. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're really enjoying doing it, and we appreciate the support from our dedicated Trexpert friends. And just so you know, for subscribers, uh, uh, we're going to have a, uh, a a new T-shirt that <gasps> has Deck Seventy Eight access granted. Oh, nice! Oh, so I can't wait. I'm going to get one of those. We'll be able to get that and uh, be uh, among the few, the proud, the subscribers to. You're going to be part of the deck Trexpert set. Plus. The deck set. Yeah. The deck set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it used to be a cool thing to be part of the jet set back in the day. Now you can be part of the deck set. And if you want to share your thoughts, but what you've heard in this episode or other episodes, or uh, you want to um, send a memorial to Lynn Shulman, you can uh, uh, you can do that on our Twitter feed at Inglorious Trek or on Facebook at Inglorious Trexperts, Instagram Inglorious Trexperts. Um, we're, we're, we're happy to, to, for you to join the conversation and continue to talk about everything. Maybe memories of, uh, reading best to track back in, uh, back in the day and, uh, articles that may have struck your fancy. There you I don't know. Fancy. Fancy. Very fancy. So, uh, <laughs> on behalf of, uh, Darren Docterman and myself, Mark A. Allman, we want to remind you, you can also rate us 
five stars on Apple Podcasts so uh, or any podcast platform you find the show on, please rate us. It's a way to bring um, new listeners to the podcast, and we want to continue to introduce fans the world over to the magic of the Trexperts. So Share the love. Uh, until our next episode, on behalf of Darren Docterman, myself, Mark A. Altman, we want wish you to keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Shh.